1: Podcast with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire, I'd like to give all the loyal listeners, and Sean, you'll probably need this when you come out here um, uh, so you can make sure you get a correct measurement of the snow that's going to fall, is a free axon tape measure. Stick that right there in the snow, and you can (laughs) see exactly how much much they got. So (laughs) if you you want one of those, send an email to marketingaxontire.com. And uh, you will be able to uh, get one of those shipped to you ASAP. So if you want one of those, go to marketing.axontire.com. Also, if you plan on coming to the Moving Iron Summit, come here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Check out uh, movingironllc.com in the upper right-hand corner. There's a link that says Moving Iron Summit, (coughs) 2023 Moving Iron Summit. Uh, Go there, register. And if you're one of the first 150 people to do that, Axon Tire takes care of that first 50 bucks of your registration fee. So if you're interested in doing that, go over to movingironllc.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation on Goals to help you reach yours. Powered by Farm Credit, Ag Direct is built for today's agriculture with simple applications. Quick response, competitive rates, and generous flexible terms. AgDirect offers buy, lease, and refinance options for almost all types of new and used equipment. Non-recourse and timely funding back to the dealership plus sales incentives. No other ag equipment dealer, I'm sorry, no other ag equipment lender works like AgDirect. Learning more by calling your AgDirect territory manager at 888-525-9805 or visit us at agdirect.com. Tractor Zoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales. Tractor Zoom's Iron Comp is an industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctional pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil Appworks. So, Dealer Connect CRMIF with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce based solution for your dealership, create connected customer experience, and transform how you work today. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happened. So, Sean, how are you doing, bud?
3: I'm doing really, really good, and um, I'm looking forward to going yet again back out into the west, the Great West,
1: out into the west. All right, and you get to come back to some more snow. So I mean, you can't, you can't expect a little more snow. Anything, you know, I,
3: it looks like three degrees Wednesday night. <clears throat> you know, it mm-hmm. looks like happy times for uh, for uh, you know for uh, you know getting out on the water and going for a swim.
1: Yeah. So, so actually, Sean and I are going to be at the same thing. So we're going to have a good opportunity to catch up and probably do a podcast live together. But he's lucky he's not. Coming where I'm at because it's balmy, going to be balmy in, in Denver compared to what it's going to be in Scottsdale. I think we have a low of 24 degrees or something like that on on Wednesday night, and supposed to get anywhere between five inches to up to 12. So we'll see what happens there. I also get the 50 mile an hour winds to come along with it. So it's just, of
3: course, you know, well, another, I mean, it's just, you know,
1: another day in the when
3: when, it, when it's good. You just got to, you know, it's really good.
1: So that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So so we had a lot of stuff kind of come out. Sean, you put out a lot of reports here um, over the last couple of days. And I think, one, I think the one thing that we should talk about that has the most impact on what we've been talking about as far as weather patterns and, and how these grand solar cycles and stuff like that really kind of bring these traumatic and quick um, weather changes. And, and I think we're seeing one develop in Argentina with this flash frost. So talk about that a little bit and what you see happening there.
3: Remember, the the, the long term concept of a grand solar cycle minimum, which means a, a, a 30 to 40 year period of lower solar activity, which means less of the sun's heat hitting the atmosphere, shrinking the atmosphere, creating the undulating jet stream in both the north and the south means you get very significant changes in weather volatility in very short periods of time, whether that means drought, terrain, um, you know, extreme snowfall, warm to cold, cold to warm. Um, And so in Argentina, they just completed record hot of all time, I think over 110 degrees. Three days later, they broke record low temperatures and and had what's called a soft frost. Three days, record hot to record cold. You know, that is not something that is normal, that in a normal weather volatility environment, typically takes place and so this is is an ongoing thing we're going to see more and more of is these crazy swings and crazy surprise i mean no one saw that coming no one can see that coming because the atmosphere is too unstable to make those short-term predictions and we don't try to make those short-term predictions as you know casey we try to stick with the you know probabilities of what's going to happen on a 30 60 six month but though expecting the unexpected and climate is going to be a, a more regular feature and every good crop all of a sudden becomes less good, you know, because of some crazy event that just sideswipes it at the last minute. So very, very indicative of the kind of thing we're talking about and the kind of thing we're going to see much more of as time goes on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you had a couple other points you brought up here too, that in your opinion, the way this frost happened, you know, it wouldn't be necessarily as bad as maybe some traders came out to be. I haven't had a check the minute to check my uh uh overnight to see where soybeans were acting, but you could see some very knee-jerk reaction to this, I'm sure. And that would that would definitely fly this up uh, real quick and and it could catch some people uh on the on the backside down, it could really catch some people off guard.
3: Well you just have to remember this is like um late July for Argentina for like right. Iowa. So even though it was super cold, record cold, and even though they had some areas that were borderline freezing, it's not the kind of cold that you would require to really dent significant further damage to the crop beyond what has already been done from the drought. Um, so, I mean, obviously it doesn't help the crop. I mean, that's it, not like that's going to improve the crop prospects, but to right. say that it's going to dramatically reduce the crop prospects from what they already were or, or where they were already heading based upon the ongoing drought, not really. So to the extent that traders are trading this specific event, I don't believe it, it It still comes down to how much, you know, how much is the drought really going to hurt the yields, you know, for the rest of the growing season there. I don't believe this particular frost is going to be uh, particularly noteworthy. Having said that, I think it does warn everybody you know, that as we get further on into the latter part of the growing season for Argentina and for Brazil, by the way, you know, maybe this is a sign that, you know, we might get some more flash frost risks in that yeah. region when it would matter more. And when seasonally it could be cold enough, you know, so I must view it as more of a, not as an event that hurt anything, but maybe as a warning sign that we need to be on guard that the atmosphere is so unstable right now based upon this crazy uh, jet stream and the sunstrap warming, I mean, we just have a very unstable jet stream that we might need to be keeping our eyes peeled for more of these flash frost events that would occur at a time that would be more detrimental. This one was not.
1: Yeah. So you had a report that you put out yesterday. And one of the things on on your kind of your executive summary that you have there on the front page, um, you said the multi-year La Nina that transitions to El Nino has some very clear teleconnections worth noting and one of them being which Russia uh, drought risk uh, both spring and winter wheat, India drought risk for wheat and sugar and rice as well as West African drought risk for uh, cocoa. So that's, that's a big flip from what we've seen over the last couple of years in that area where they've had significant rain um, and they've they've had, they were able to grow some very massive crops. But, I mean, thankful for all that to happen because if it wasn't for India and what they were, you know, out through the world through wheat and, and various other uh, products. Uh, a lot of, a lot of places would be in really bad bad shape right now when it came to exports and what that looks like around the world. Um, all that being said, what we see here now if this does if this glass of recycle does come in 23 and not 24, 25 with the state that we're in right now and you know India's done been talking a lot about shutting some exports down of various products or various refined products of wheat and those kind of things. As you're looking at that sean are you starting to see any of that start to develop and 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 i guess what are your what are your thoughts thus far
3: well in the report yesterday we talked about um, all the multi-year Niñas that entered the transition year it doesn't mean that el nino came you know by the summer it just means it transitioned towards el nino later in the year or in, into the following year and, and they were 1911 1918 1951 1957 1976 and 2001. those were all your multi-year Niñas. that then then went into a transition year. And so we know La Nina causes a walker cycle that produces a lot of moisture in Asia, which includes Russia, includes India, um, includes Southeast Asia. And we know that the two things that that have kept the ag system from completely getting into a more extreme food shortage, Casey, has been India's big production because of all the rain that they've had and Russia's big wheat crop last year, um, you know, because they tend to have favorable weather with La Nina. Mm-hmm. So if we are now, we're clearly entering the weakening phase of La Nina. You know, we, there's a lot of argument about when La Nino is going to arrive. Our work says it'll arrive later in the year versus the summer. Either way, it means that we're going to see Asia dry out. It means we're going to see India dry out, Russia, Ukraine dry out, Southeast Asia dry out. And so what that means to me is wheat and rice, your two most important commodities that keep the world fed, that keep the world from panicking, um, are those important regions are going to get into a less favorable weather pattern. Um, And uh, one of the other things that we follow specifically for India is something called the Indian Ocean Dipole, which is a measure of the sea surface temperatures on either side of India. When they're negative, it tends to produce more um, drought in India. When they're positive, it tends to create more rain. Normally, uh, in a full-blown El Nino, the Indian Ocean dipole can be either neutral or positive. So if it's positive, it helps kind of uh, put some rain into the El Nino dryness. If it's neutral, it tends to not do that. We're expecting a neutral Indian Ocean dipole during the monsoon season in India at a time that we're entering or moving towards El Nino. That is a very dry combination for India and uh, it sets the stage for some significant issues with the wheat crop that's developing now, Casey, because obviously their, their crop gets harvested late spring, kind of like winter wheat. Um, and of course, it has a huge impact on the potential for the rice crop there. Remember, China had a failed rice crop last year, and if India, the two biggest rice-producing countries in the world, has a problem with rice this year, you know we we might lose our um, final line in the sand that's been keeping the ag system intact. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that, but that's what the cycles are suggesting. To really watch India. Um, and, and russia you know south that that winter wheat belt of southern russia and then the spring wheat belt of um more of that uh you know western russia southwest russia area you know those are really going to be hot spots if they get into trouble because we don't have a lot of ending stocks to back them up right now um now in the u.s as you correctly talked about we you know, normally a transition year is sort of a hodgepodge for the us normally meaning it isn't great isn't you know, it, it could be okay. But as you know, we have this Gleisberg cycle, 89 year cycle, that's due 23, 24, 25. And uh, if the El Nino does get delayed until later in the year, as our work says is more probable, that could trigger this year. Um, You know, we will know more, have a you know, much better handle on that as we get into the spring in terms of exactly how El Nino progresses. But, but, you know, obviously, if we were to get India and Russia in trouble, and then of course we would start to have drought problems resurface again in the U.S. when we already have one of the worst-rated winter wheat crops. You know, since we've been recording it, uh, you know that, that sets up the wheat rice complex as a as a as an area uh, or as a uh, a grouping to watch very very carefully as you move into the season because that the weather does not look good for those crops, and if as goes rice and wheat, so goes food prices and and the and the and the um, psychology over food shortages around the world. Right.
1: Okay. All right, Sean, as you were uh, taking a look at some of the stuff that was in your report here, we talked about this for quite a bit and I spent a lot of time on this, but a couple of markets of interest I think that are that really stand out to me that I think are um, good opportunities for folks. One is is natural gas, as far as as kind of locking down some energy stuff, and then you had coffee on there as stuff that um, might be an, uh, as an opportunity. Let's spend a little time talking about coffee and with this Argentine drought that's happening out there. Is that is there some coffee at risk? And there is there an issue there similar to what we saw a couple of years ago when you went down to our, uh, Brazil and took a look at some of that frost uh, uh, reaction that we saw down there.
3: Well. <sighs> I think we have to um, understand what's happened in South America. Um, The Argentine weather pattern is being driven by this extremely hot sea surface temperature off their East coast and it's causing sort of a permanent semi-permanent high. Brazil has been very, very wet. Excessively wet. I mean, just persistent rainfall because we're in what's called the La Nina Modica, which means you have cold sea surface temperatures in the central Pacific Warm temperatures on each side. That changes the walker cycle. Cold air sinks and it moves where the water is warm. So it's pumping moisture into Brazil. So for coffee specifically, coffee needs rainfall, of course, like every crop does, but it needs breaks of sunshine. It needs uh, to dry out. It needs that period of growth. And it's it's been excessively persistently wet in central Brazil for, for months now. Um, so that is causing the crop to develop um unfavorably now. Uh so, so the where where we're at is the triple frost casey that we had several years ago continues to recover very slowly. And the blooming phase, the flowering phase that we had this past fall did not go off as well as it was supposed to because of the longer-term stress and damage to the trees. And now we've thrown excessive rainfall on top of it. A, a, a recent crop tour just finished the window, a really, really one month-long crop tour that we follow and suggest that the total crop production in Brazil is going to be fair fairly similar to last year. And that means it will be a third year of a deficit. We view modern day times in agriculture post-1965. We're not aware of any period since 1965 that we've had three deficit years in a row in coffee in brazil and this is going to be year 3 so and 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 even though the prospects for the crop that's going to be harvested in the summer of 24 look good we have it's a long 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 way to get there and we just don't feel that the market's going to be able to manage this kind of a three year shortage without having to do some recalibration to the upside to factor it in so we, so and of course there could be additional weather volatility coming. Can you imagine, Casey, if we get into the frost season in July in Brazil and, there's, and if there's even just a frost scare at a time that we've had three deficits? I mean, we know what happened a few years back and how much it set the market off when we had plenty of supplies. What happens if we get a frost scare and, and the market already knows we had very little supply? You know, this the, the situation is extremely... um fragile and could cause some significant uh, spikes to the upside uh, depending on how everything plays out So it's definitely a market that we feel um, you know what the people have to be paying attention to Roasters have to be managing the risks to the upside. It's just not a market that you want to be uh, uh, that you want to be exposed to upside price risks because in a situation like this, it would not take much to push this market into something like we saw in orange juice just recently, where we had a supply squeeze trade, where we went you know limit up for three or four days in a row and had a, yeah. a wild spike trade. It, it wouldn't surprise me that a similar situation may develop in coffee, given the right circumstances. So, right
1: on. okay. Well, I think it's a good place to stop, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hacker Financial. What's the best way to do that?
3: Um, our website is Hackett, h a c k e t h a c k e t advisors.com. Lots of information on there. We also sometimes post some things on our Twitter page, at Faradex11, and we also do the same thing on our LinkedIn page. You can search Sean Hackett or Hackett Financial Advisors, and so, from time to time, we post interviews or updates on some of these cycles for have, you know, those that are interested in this information for their operations uh, you know to keep tabs of what's going on. Right
1: on. And that's it's a F E R D E X 11, right? That's how you spell e- that.
3: It's it's F E R I D E X at 11. IDX. Okay. I there mean, 11 uh, at 3rd X
1: 11. Yep. All right. yep. Right on. Okay. Sean appreciate you being on the podcast, man. I look forward to seeing you, man.
3: Sounds good, Casey. See you tomorrow. All
1: right, everybody. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this over at the YouTube channel, Moving Iron Podcast. So check that out. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and get more information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. Just signed a good speaker. I'm looking forward to his name, Sean Glass. He's a retired Navy SEAL and going to talk a little bit about what he sees happening out there with some with some leadership stuff sprinkled in there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Um, If you want to get some more information about registration, go to MovingIronLLC.com. Up the right hand corner, click on the 2023 Moving Iron Summit uh, tab, click that, fill that out and take advantage of that. Uh, Axon Tire, $50 discount for the first 150 people that show up. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Good to be folks.
2: Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.